We have to trust ourselves at some level. Don't do it based on your gut if the facts say that's not right. I mean, I'm always finding things that challenge my worldview, and that's great. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information, and the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are wealth of resources to help you thrive including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoy this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Dan Gilmore, who has been a media pioneer for several decades. He is currently professor at Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication at Arizona State University with his latest project, News Colab, an experimental lab aimed at collaborating to improve the information ecosystem. He's also the author of several excellent books, including the influential We the Media, and very relevantly for this podcast, the creator of a free edX course on overcoming information overload. Details are in the show notes. You can find him on the web at dangilmore.com, D-A-N-G-I-L-L-M-O-R, and on Twitter at, at Dan Gilmore. In this episode, Dan shares insights on asking questions, going outside of your comfort zone, shifting from macro to micro, useful aggregators, the best tactics and tools, and far more. Keep listening to learn from Dan's great insights. So Dan, a delight to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. So information overload, I, I believe it's a special uh, topic of yours. Uh, you've taught it amongst other things. Yeah, it's something I've been looking at for quite a long time. It stems from uh, basically recognizing that media were democratized, that technology is kind of democratized so that it's in everyone's hands, that everyone can participate in uh, public conversations as well as private ones, and that the result of that, one result of that is a massive amount of information, <clears throat> and we have to sort it out. Absolutely, and I think there's, we can look at it as a systemic problem, as in there are certainly things which we could and maybe should do to address it in terms of a systems problem, but ultimately it comes down to it as, as individuals. We have to deal with the reality of this uh, profusion of uh, information, correct and incorrect and uh, spurious and uh, relevant. Yes, we do. Um, but we need to get the help of uh, players in the ecosystem uh, that are powerful and that could help us a great deal. So just, just for a moment on that, I mean, what, uh, who are the players and what can we do? Well, my, my philosophy on all this is that we need better information, no doubt about that. And when I think of that, I think 
in part in the journalistic sphere, that we need a lot better journalism than we have and trustworthy sources of information. Uh, and that, that's kind of a demand, uh, a supply side question. And, and while we do need to upgrade supply, what you're getting at is that we need to upgrade demand. And I believe, and my work has been focused on upgrading demand at scale, which is to say lots and lots and lots of people need to improve. We need to improve us. We need to upgrade ourselves. And scale requires help from major institutions in our societies, starting with education. Uh, and that is at all levels, I believe. Continuing on to media, uh, which, are, uh, which brings scale to information. Journalism, uh, I think entertainment should be playing a role. Advertising, public relations, and others should be part of the bringing upgraded demand to scale. And then finally, the institutions that pretty much define scale in the modern world, uh, the technology media companies, which need to do a lot more than they have been doing to help us uh, be better ourselves as individuals and in our communities. Yeah, absolutely agree. So I do want to get to what you do personally, as a, perhaps an exemplar of this, but perhaps starting, you, you mentioned education. And I think education is, of course, lifelong. This is not just uh, throughout our formal schooling. And I've always, always befuddled me as to why they'd ever teach us to deal with information, since that's basically what we most of what we do through our lives. So what would you say as you know, at any level of education are the things that we need to be learning to be better at, uh, you know, essentially using the information that we have? I think it falls in two areas. One is principles, which really don't change much. That uh, things, things of, of basic common sense, but which we need to, I think, restate periodically so we're clear. One is that we need to be skeptical of everything, but not equally skeptical. Use judgment to find things that we have reason to trust more than not. We can't, I don't think, I think it's a mistake to trust anything 100%, but there are many things I trust uh, implicitly, and I trust them even more when they make mistakes because they correct them and tell me they made mistakes. Then we need to ask questions, which uh, people don't do very often, which they should do. And no, we can't expect people to uh, go re-report the, uh, the BBC report from uh, Kabul, Afghanistan, but we, we can, especially when it's locally, based, ask our own questions and get good answers, or at least useful ones. We need to go outside of our personal comfort zones in all kinds of ways, politically, socially, culturally, uh, to, to have a better understanding of the ecosystem that we're engaged in. And then we need to understand how media work, not just technically, but how media are used to persuade and, uh, in fact, manipulate. 
So all of those are basic principles. And then there's tactics, which do change because the tools change, the technologies change, and we need to de uh, deploy the best current tactics and tools to help deal with this overflow and the fact that so much of what we encounter is um, uh, either mistaken, in, uh, not out of any malign intent, or disinformation, misinformation out of definitely malign intent. So, so perhaps to, to illustrate that, can can get a sense of your practices and, and what you do. So, do you have any kind of information routine? Do you uh, go to particular sources at particular times of day? Uh, is there, you know, how do you define your you know, the purpose and what you're looking to get from information? Does there, do you have some kind of a structure for how you, you, um, you know, take on the information around you? Uh, I, it, <clears throat> I don't think I have a uh, connect the dots and, and, you know, paint in the numbers um, kind of routine. And it, it's important for anyone listening to this to recognize that, uh, you know, I, I like live in this world of information. So uh, I'm not typical. I, I'm, I'm constantly swimming in this ocean. And most people, like, you know, they have a life and they don't have time to do the stuff that I do. Mm. So I'm, I, I have to separate the fact that I'm part of this and, and engaged in it in a very deep way from what I think other people do and have time to do. But Having said that, I can answer your question in several ways. First is that I, uh, I have a bunch of uh, news websites that I visit every day because I think there's value in a curated collection of information from editors whom I think are, are more likely to have a good sense of the world than not. Again, I, I emphasize that they don't get it right all the time. And I am in constant despair, in fact, over the bad journalism I see. However, I still go to those places, the New York Times, The Guardian, The Wall Street Journal, the uh, Washington Post, uh, BBC, and you know, and a number of others, uh, to just get a sense of the, you know, what the top editors in journalism think is the the global zeitgeist of the moment. I also go. Uh, I, I I have a bunch of Twitter lists that I've collected of people who are expert in, in specific areas. And who I trust to flag stuff that I'm going to be interested in, uh, just by just by nature of who they are, what they do. So I can scan that, and I often see a lot of repetition, and that's a good that's a good hint that something is important if I see the same thing flagged three or four times. Uh, I go 
from, you know, sort of that's kind of a macro level. I go to the very micro level of the Facebook group for my small town that in, in Northern California where the, uh, it's the only thing around where anything resembling news happens about that place. And it's moderated very well by somebody who has basically banned national politics mm-hmm. unless there's a direct connection to that town, which is the best thing you can imagine because people who really would not agree and, in fact, would get very angry with each other uh, on uh, he who cannot be named. And yet we work together quite well as a community on things that we know are important to us as a community. So, and then every, you know, there's a th- a f- many things in between. The work I do, I f- I'm very uh, careful to follow uh, journals, people, uh, you know, I have lots of keyword searches uh, in uh, Google News and other news sites, things like that. But I, I don't have a routine. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm just sort of a, uh, a promiscuous browser of everything I can find. Yep. Yeah. Well, there there is structure. There are some things which you go to for your for your sources. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of pulling all this into your mental models or ways of thinking or frames or so on, do you take notes? Do you build any models? Is this all inside just inside your mind as how you are thinking about things? I use a uh, what amounts to a bookmark collector that uh, where I will park things that I want to come back to, or that I want to use, and I have different buckets where things like I might oh here's something that might be a reading for my students, or here's something I'm going to want to uh, perhaps. Uh, post a, a note about on Twitter. Here's something I might want to do a blog post about. That that sort of thing. Uh, and I think without that, uh, it would be even more random than it is. And it's still fairly random by any truly organized person's standards. What what bookmarking tool do you use? A pinboard is, a pin is what it's called. It's something I pay for. So you also mentioned tactics and that in terms of other tools or structures. I mean, you may have already mentioned some of these, but are there any other specific technologies or aggregators or other things other than you've mentioned that uh, you use or, or find useful in your information perusal? I, I think there's some very high value very high value aggregation type things. Um, you know, it's, it's again, it's how do we rely on things to, 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 to be with us? This, these are the issues is that I, the more you get used to any one tool or site, the more risk you've taken at some level to suddenly find yourself uh, lost when it just goes away. And, that's really an unfortunate situation. So I try to use things that either I make myself 
or um, you know collect things in places where I can always download everything if the worst happens. So um, I, I, it's a question that's really interesting because I don't think anyone has gotten aggregation right. And, and I, for years, have believed there's a big opening uh, in news aggregation for someone to do it right. And uh, it just hasn't been done, which is... Uh, at least not the way I would do it. Uh, and, you know, if I were, I don't know, 20 years younger and didn't have a lot else on my plate, I would probably just do something myself. It's interesting that uh, just a couple of days ago, News Corp's uh, initiative in the space got uh, hit a uh, unfortunate end, um, but they're not the first one to have a go. <laughs> I would uh, change the adjective unfortunate to predictable <laughs> because that was, you know, a very bad joke to begin with and didn't uh, didn't elevate beyond that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, yeah. There's different different frames around what a an ag a useful aggregator can be in uh, scope. Of, uh, of what it picks up. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. So, in terms of your role in educating, in helping people to deal with this, and so you mentioned at the beginning this idea of being able to ask questions or to to inquire or to try to discern how to you know, deal with you know what is purported to be factual and may not. So, what are the some of the the things which people coming to this can, I suppose, efficiently try to pass content to see it is whether, whether it's worthy of their attention. I think it's important to separate worthy of attention from um, worthy of trust. And, or, and maybe a third category, useful. <laughs> because th th those are not the same. Uh, my my goal is generally to find things that are either wildly entertaining as a when I want to relax a little bit, or things that are both worthy of attention and useful. Um, and I I believe that includes in, by in, implicitly includes honest and and done right, but. The, the things that I have actually have to work hard at training, keeping myself in training not to do is to be diverted by expert trolling and expert um, steering me off into some cul-de-sac that wastes my time. 
if I'm going to waste my time, I want to do it watching a movie that where I empty my brain into the screen. And even that, then that's not a waste of time. But if, I, I don't want my time to be wasted by someone whose goal is, is to re- reduce my ability to think well and to reduce my time to do productive things. And there, there's a lot of stuff like that out there. So is this you referring particularly to social media or also just articles that are effectively trolling? Well, tabloid journalism has been doing this very expertly for a long, long time. I'm certainly well over a century. Probably, you know, go, I think it probably goes back to as, as long as there have been newspapers and media that that sensation and and wildness are are more have always been a more financially successful certainly than, than what we think of as serious news um and i don't think serious has to be boring i don't think useful has to be boring i don't think um and certainly entertaining by definition is not boring so, so the so I suppose the uh, as you say you get articles where you might say okay belief is one inappropriate response but also outrage is is an inappropriate response because it's just losing you know you're losing yourself and your attention to something where it doesn't merit a, an emotional or other response. In general, if if something uh, makes you angry that you read. Not always, but in general, if something that's uh, if 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 it's headline or short, and it makes you angry, it's probably designed to do that, and it's probably uh, not necessarily, but it's it's likely it's it's I, I don't know I don't know I don't have good data on that, but I think in general things that are designed to make me angry are more often uh, not trustworthy than, than they are trustworthy. So uh, I, I, I have to watch being, I, you know, when people I tend to believe write, post things that make me angry, I even, you know, I have to pay attention and ask myself, is that, uh, what is it that they're doing? What is it that they're angry about that I'm supposed to join them in that? Because maybe it's not as bad as they think it is. Yes. You know, the, the people, direct, if you, direct mail, as an example, uh, mailing lists from, uh, basically in the United States, mailing lists, or email lists, are about get making money, raising money, and they are uh, uh, from all angles of all political spectrum are an outrageous abuse of language. I have, and, and because it works, yes, you piss people off and it works. They send you money. You scare them. They send you money. They, you know, it's a. That's the problem. Is that or a one problem, not the problem, but things we we respond to 
crisis. We respond, you know, the, the ganglia take over. Yes, indeed. And yeah, as you say, there's many, many experts at this uh, that are taking us away from what we should be paying attention to. So you mentioned the word useful a couple of times. I, I think one of the challenges for many people is that it's often hard to discern. Well, there's so much out there which could be useful. How is it that I draw the line and say, well, this is a, that that is useful? And you know, and I, I I frame this coming back to purpose. You know, what is it that you that is important to you? And so, do you have any uh, thoughts around how people can have a filter to work out what is useful to them? I don't have any formula for that. Uh, even a, I don't even have a vague one. I the more invested I am in a topic or in a in in some and by topic i mean for as you know an issue or and, and to get out of anything remotely political i mean if i have an issue with some software i'm using i can find useful help with carefully crafted searching you know they uh for all of the fury that people have sometimes well earned about YouTube dragging people down a, a, a black hole of, of, of a toxic, uh, horrible stuff. And it does sometimes. They, they're working on that, but it, they, it's, that's been their history. For all of that, there, consider how many people have found the video that let them repair something simply or get something working simply that in another age they would have had to call somebody and pay them i mean this is this is miraculous in its own way we don't we got to keep in mind that these tools uh, i believe uh, and uh, this is I don't know how you could find the data to prove it one way or the other, but I think there's been more value of a positive kind created by everything we're talking about than catastrophic toxicity, which is there. And I, you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know what I would say. I, I think if if the toxic stuff brings down our democracies, or or you know is proved at some point to be responsible for that, well, then I'm going to have to change my opinion. Because then I will have to say, well, being able to repair my toaster from a video uh, is does not outweigh living in a dictatorship. I think that would be a, you know, I think I would then concede. But even that is not solely to blame. You can't blame social networks for things that uh, traditional media have been doing routinely. The, you know, the Murdoch family's media properties for a long time have been injecting poison into public discourse for a very long time. And I believe that the right wing media, and, and Fox News in, in particular, in my country, 
have done more damage by far than all social media posts by all people in all of history of social media. Yes, it's a whole. That's but but again, this is people have to learn how to discern things. So to to round out, um, so this idea of thriving thriving on overload, uh, which is something that uh, you do and you teach others to do. So are there any just any other I suppose final thoughts or recommendations or frames which would be useful to people in. Uh, being able to you know draw, draw on your expertise in this area yeah I, I i'm cautious about saying that i thrive on overload i'm not sure that's true i think overload is i think people have been overloaded with information long before there was digital information but we we adjust the our view of simplicity based on the era that we live in. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, in the century after Gutenberg, there was a lot of worry about information overload because this, you know, this, this printed stuff was wildly available suddenly and people were getting, you know, views of the world they hadn't had before. And that what I think we have to, try to do is recognize first that you have to trust somebody doesn't mean that you have you know 100% absolute willingness to act for yourself based on what they say it means that you rely on them to basically get things right when you know they know a lot about it and find that find those people find those sources find those outlets find the and find them for the things you care most about and retain healthy skepticism not cynicism skepticism about much of the rest recognizing that news in particular is an inherently flawed process um that is when it's done by people and organizations of integrity you know that 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 the the arc of uh, to to kind of revise a phrase that i've always loved about the arc of justice bending you know the, the arc you know, things bending toward justice i think this arc bends toward reality um and context and that we have to trust ourselves at some level but don't don't do it based on your gut as if if the facts say that's not right i mean i'm always always finding things that challenge my worldview and that's great absolutely if you're if you're searching for those and the uh and, you know, it's a massive short circuit uh, of time and energy. If you can find the trusted sources, establish that trust, and then that that saves, you know, not all filtering of uh, or verifying, but at least uh, makes it far more uh, easier. But implicit in that is don't share things you're not sure about. Help help the people you care about understand that 
these things are difficult and that that if Uncle George is sharing QAnon stuff, you know, don't call him out in public. You know, tell him, you, you know, Uncle George, I really care about you and I'm really worried, but do it privately. I mean, things that we, we, we have to give each other a break. We have to cut each other some slack. Doesn't mean we have to tolerate things that are lies, because I don't. If we don't make decisions based on our best understanding of reality based on facts, then we are guaranteed to go badly wrong. I mean, people who, uh, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of one of these existential things where in my country, there's a substantial part of the population that is uh, saying that, that uh, it was one thing when they wouldn't wear a mask and and risked other people's health. But then refusing a vaccination not only risks other people's health, but their own. This is, this. I don't understand that. And I don't know how people can get caught up in, in cult thinking as to uh, treat themselves and the people they care about that way. I don't understand it. Yeah, well, uh, both better information and better ability to uh, make sense of that information, as we started with, is uh, yeah. critical on that journey to uh, hopefully having the you know the better, more useful ways of thinking and acting. Yeah, nobody should imagine that this is all easy. But the people who say it's easy are the people who say that everything can be boiled down to a binary view um, and very little is binary in in our lives everything has nuance but some things just are not true and some things just are yeah. that that's we have to understand that the differences here yes and and uh and and do well on that journey so thank you so much for your time and your insight, Dan. It's been uh, really valuable to to for to hear from your uh, very deep experience in being able to make sense of and filter through the shaft to find what's what's real and true. Thank you so much, Dan. Have a great day. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information go to thrivingonoverload.com where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.